Welcome everybody to Chromacast. Um, we finally got, uh, we were able to catch up with Theo. You guys all know that um, we had him on a previous episode. I think that was episode 18. 18. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Amazing, amazing guest mix there. And uh, now we're here for a full interview with him to find out all of the great things that he's doing. Cool. So welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, so you are an amazing, uh, prolific artist, in my opinion. Thank like you. Appreciate you've that. you've been around a long time. You're involved with a lot of things. You've got Relove. You've got uh, Viva La Tech, and you've uh, been releasing stuff on uh, Bedrock, Suara, um, and System Recordings, and all a bunch of whole whole bunch of other labels, um, as well as just being a prolific DJ and always being on flyers. So. Um, I would like you to talk about in the beginning. Um, the let's talk about Relove. Okay. Like, can you give us fill us in on how you're involved with them and, and the sure. things that they're doing? Yeah. So basically, I started off with just kind of DJing for them at one of the shows and got to know Brett. Uh, my my good friend Tony Gamboa was helping him quite a bit with uh, doing the produ- productions of the shows, mm-hmm. and that's how I really got involved was through Tony and then getting to know Brett and you know. Now, Brett, it's really Brett's child. I mean, he is one of the most tireless people I know. He, I, I don't understand how he has the energy that he has. And people often say that about me. So yeah. me saying that about someone else is just That's crazy. Super, yeah. So, um, yeah, he's, he's just constantly working on you know providing quality you know you know free events yeah so and it's it's a tireless effort because you know we're, we're, no one's really getting paid no one we just want to you know contribute in some way so yeah it's tough to do to do free events and, and to get people consistently coming out yeah. all the time and, and yeah. luckily you know with relove it's kind of grown organically so now you know every event and usually if you go to a relove party it really doesn't the, the, the last two hours are the best oh yeah yeah because that's when the sun starts to set yeah. the vibe kind of comes out um, but yeah I've been fortunate to be a part of it and it's been a lot of fun and it's been really good to get to know some of the other house crews in LA and kind of work with people and, and that, that kind of vibe so yeah that's amazing hey, you guys often reach out to other crews and, and have them play the events at, at Relove yeah yeah so then when the next one we're doing is with uh, Slinky. Oh yeah, which is you know this a Northern California crew that has uh, ties to Southern California, and they do a, an annual event yes. called Slinky every year in the uh, Sequoias. That's right. And it, if you haven't been. I highly recommend it. It is probably one of the most fun times I have every year. Um, It's camping. It's, you know, very family vibe. People bring their kids, their Mm -hmm. pets, and it's just a beautiful location. Wow. 
Is that a, that's out by the uh, Kern River? Is that they do it kind of over there? It's, it's, it's yeah, so it's, it's it's close to the to the Kern River. It takes about four hours from here. Yeah. And the nice thing about it is a lot of uh, people from the Bay Area go because it's about yep. the same drive for them. Yep. So it's a kind of a meeting of of the tribes there. So I mean, and right now, and they've done it for the past eighteen years, and. I was lucky enough to do the first one back in the day, and it was in Santa Clarita, mm. and it's kind of grown into this whole other thing. And two years ago, I, I was able to do come back and kind of you know check it out, what it's doing now, and it's incredible. It's yeah. uh, the vibe is is just it's it's like a if you could go to Burning Man before it was Burning Man kind oh, of thing. Wow. Where it's just family and everyone's yeah. just, you know. I have several friends who go every year and they they actually live in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, and they keep trying to get me down to go and. <laughs> yeah, you should go. I need to go. It's a good, need time. <laughs> have good time. You, Jeff, have you been to Slinky or? I have not been. Jeff Tovar here, everybody. Um, but I was at Relove last weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's. It's everything he said. It's a great vibe. People just hanging out, you know. Just uh, and you played an amazing set. Oh, thank you, sir. That was really great. A lot of uh, really cool tunes. Yeah, I've been to a couple, uh, several of the the Relove parties in Woodley Park, Mm -hmm. and it always feels like to me that everyone there is family, and I feel like that's super important to to curate people like that, you know, because you could that's that provides consistency and just good vibes all around. Yeah, and and for. You know, from a performance standpoint, it's always great to see the same faces. Mm, yeah. You know, you, you're kind of feeding off their energy. So to me, it's it's important to. Yeah. And I, I want to be able to kind of be a part of a community, yeah. not just being a DJ. You know, yeah. to me, it's a community is a very important aspect of what I do. That's pretty cool. I kind of feel like you're that type of guy to to really connect with people. Like I'm a, I'm a hugger. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Hey, I didn't get a hug this morning. Hey, <laughs> it isn't over yet. <laughs> no, that does say a lot, though. You know, when someone says I'm a hugger, yeah, yeah. And I don't real. think you can make it this long in the industry as long as you have without being some type of people person. Yeah. Well, you know, to me, um, if I wasn't getting something for my soul, mm. right? I wouldn't. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. yeah you know, because exactly. now it's it's. It's never been about money or popularity or, or whatever pseudo fame or whatever. It's it, to me, this feeds my soul. Yeah. And I, I need it to feed my soul. Otherwise, why do it? Yeah. So. Yeah. There's been uh, times when I am not able to get in the studio or create music, and I always get really angry. Right. <laughs> you know, I just right. feel it. Yeah, I got to get it out. So that's cool that you feel that too. Well, it's like. I will be in the uh, just drained of energy, not feeling like doing anything, but I'll have to go out that night mm-hmm. and go perform. And as soon as I'm behind the turntables or by the CDJs now or whatever, I feel 100% better. Amazing. It's like, it's therapeutic to me. Yeah. It's, it's, I love it. Yep. It's, it's a, like a feeling you can never, you can't replicate it in a lab uh, as my my wife says uh, music's the wife she's the mistress <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing um speaking of you know kind of creating community um particularly on the dance floor i i kind of want to uh, this popped into my head this question uh how do you go and when you when you view a dance floor and you're first on there how do you go and and sort of 
connect people to what you're doing? Like, how do you read the crowd? Well, it, it all depends on, you know, what I like to do. <laughs> First of all, I'm a notorious for this. I'm notorious for showing up five minutes before my set. <laughs> totally notorious. I'll, I'll admit it. Um, Does it make you nervous or you're, you're cool? No, I'm cool. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm fine with it. I mean, it's something I've been doing a lot. You know, and part of it was when I was younger, I would go to a party, do my thing, and leave pretty much immediately. And it was a way to keep me out of trouble. Yeah, right? that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That's smart. Yeah, and it's just kind of been, the, you know, yeah. the, the way I do things. But what I what I tend to do is I who's playing before me is important mm -hmm. you know and if the crowd is good yeah i don't i do my best to try not to disturb that oh yeah okay. you know so if the guy before me is doing a great job and he's you know get has them going yeah. i won't like do a 180 and try to do something else around you know, right because yeah. yeah to me the crowd is more important than me yes i'm yeah. not, not going to do you know, you know put on an intro <laughs> here i am everybody Theo, 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 Theo. I'm so not important to what's going on in the dance floor. Mm -hmm. So if the dance floor is 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 good, I'll keep it there. I'll yeah. try to just maintain whatever the guys before me was doing. Yep. Um, if if it's you know a different, if it's a totally different genre, mm -hmm. and I'm not playing, you know what. You know, if they're playing like 136 and I'm coming in at 124. Yeah, that's a bit harder to do. So yeah, you know, that's, that's a tough, tough one. To yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'll try to, you know, meet in the middle. I'll try to pitch down their track to like one, you know, 28 something like that, and yeah. try to, and then work try to down. work it in. Yeah. Um, but I try always try to to keep the dance floor consistent because I think that's the most important thing. That's a good tip. Yeah. Nice. You are listening to Chromacast. Connect with Chromacast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Mixcloud. I would like uh, to get into Viva La Tech. Sure. This is a crew or an organization that I actually, I honestly don't know a lot about and, and how you're involved. Can you just So basically, it was, it was starting around 2009, and yeah. it was my buddy David and I, and we were really into, you know, tech house and techno, and yeah. of course. And, you know, I kept just saying that the phrase Viva La Tech, mm -hmm. and it kind of just turned into this thing. Yeah. You know, David went on to do other things and um, you know, Ariel who was doing these parties under this crew called Noise R Us, mm -hmm. he, you know, was really more into techno in the, instead of the Kitty Rafe stuff and I said, Well here, just take the name and you know, kind of help me grow it. Oh, okay. And so it's been it's been a you know, the guys from Long Beach, these guys uh, Steven Andrew and Charles X, uh, who do the party stealth. Yeah. They've been involved in as well. My a good friend of mine, David Prado, goes by DJ Davey. Mm -hmm. He's been, you know, instrumental. And, and basically, what I wanted, what I wanted to do, was get a group of people who were, you know, producing. Yeah. And what it will turn into, hopefully, within the next six months, is a label. Oh, I see. So okay. that's what that's the goal. Initially, it was um, you guys putting on events, right? And, and we still do. Yeah. Um, but what what I would like the end game to be for that is definitely where it's a crew of artists that are producing tracks for a, for a label. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, have you guys started working on things? Are you working on things at the moment oh, yeah. for Viva? Yeah. Are there so, any? What yeah. we've what we've done is we've worked with a label that uh, we've are all releasing on, which is Water Bear Records. They're from uh, partly in LA, partly in Phoenix, and uh, really good guys. I mean, just you know, mm -hmm. and 
they've offered to extend a sub-label right. for us to uh, utilize for Viva Latex. That's so great. That's what we'll probably uh, start doing soon. That would be really nice um, because you can hook into their distribution chain. Right, because they already have everything set up. Yep. So now we can just focus on releases. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Uh, we'll be looking forward to hearing that stuff. Yeah, definitely sure. looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, let's see here. So uh, let's let's go back. Sure. Back into time. When you started DJing, and I think I believe this was the early '90s. Well, I first started DJing 30 years ago. 30 years yes, ago. Yes, so it was wow. 1986, 87. Yeah. I was uh, 13, and um, I was where I lived. I lived east of here in West Covina. Yeah. And in the West Covina and San Gabriel Valley at the time, there was a lot of crew parties and backyard parties. Backyard parties. There was all kind of mobile DJing going on and people setting up, you know. But in where I lived, on the street I lived on, there was a, a hip-hop DJ across the street. Right. There was another hip-hop DJ around the corner. <laughs> there was, you know, freestyle DJs around the corner. Yeah. So it was a very popular thing to get into when I was young. Yep. So... It was either, you know, I always tell this story that, you know, it was uh, either you're a break dancer or you're a DJ, and I couldn't break dance, so I was the <laughs> fault. Yeah. So it, it's, it was just really a cultural thing. It was really kind of, um, I was fascinated. You know, I used to watch um, videos of, you know, Mantronics, and they'd show the 1200s, and I'm nice. like, oh. I'm, one day, one yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. get my hands on those. Was, yeah. it, was your first pair of decks, where was it like the belt drives? Oh, totally. It was uh, a yeah. pair of realistic turntables with a realistic <laughs> okay. mixer. Yeah. All the, yeah. yeah. I had a pair of uh, new marks. I, yep. It was a blue deck. I don't. I, but they were terrible. Oh yeah. Yep. yeah but the, the the great thing about learning on that is once you get on right. twelve, right. you're like you know heaven. exactly yeah. what to do. God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Belt driven is so hard to actually DJ and scratch on. Yeah. But getting there. And being able to actually do it, yeah. once oh, you just, go... Yeah, learning the yeah. beat matching on those, yeah. when you get on the 12s, like yeah. you said, it's just like, oh, wow, it's this is so much easier. So yeah. much, it responds immediately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to push it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so no, I mean, that's the great part of, of being able to learn on the, such archaic equipment, was that no matter what, you have the basics in a format that is really tough. Right. And when you get to the industry standard, then you're, you're cake, yep. you're gold. You're you're golden for sure. Um, so that's why I first started DJing in '86. Um, I did a lot of you know high school mm-hmm. um, dances. I did a lot of backyard parties. Yeah. Um, I got into house music around '88, '89, okay. and uh, I was really into hip house, into like Doug Lazy, Mr. Yep. Lee, Chicago stuff. Were you DJing hip hop before, and that's kind of what drew you into the, oh yeah the house the yeah. house because the yeah the hip-hop. and I was DJing freestyle music too. And, ah, I got uh, you. you know, okay. with you know the Miami Bass stuff, yeah, all that, yeah, yeah. all that leads into yeah. you know, every, everything touches house music eventually. Yep. Um, so I started getting into hip house, and I bought French Kiss when that oh, came yeah. out, classic in '88, and I immediately was like, "What is this?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, I heard I I played you know Cybertron, um, you know Clear, but I never thought of it as Detroit techno. I right. just thought this was a great electro song that went good with Egyptian Lover stuff. Totally. Right. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so I never. Really really took that that got that Detroit connection a fine line later. between those two yeah genres, true really? very yeah. true yeah. Um, so then I went to my 
started getting into house into techno. We, I discovered, you know, like you know, Prodigy and yeah. um, you know, Dominator and all those old classics. Yeah. And um, I went to my first rave in February of '92. Okay. And we were so we were going to Melrose. Me and my friends, yeah. we were all going to Melrose to buy records. Yeah, because that's where you went. Yeah. Um, what was the record store back then? There was DMC. DMC. There was Street Sounds. Yeah, there yeah. Was, Sounds, you know, right. That, that was even before Beat Nonstop Stop opened. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was before. Yeah. yeah. But we used to just go down to DMC and Street Sounds, grab a bunch of records, eat, and then we'd grab a bunch of flyers. Yeah. So I remember one time we were in my garage where I had all my DJ stuff and we were listening to the records. Yeah. And we we're like, well. We just we're we just eighteen. We're like, why don't we go to this? Why don't we go to rave tonight? Yeah, All right, cool. <laughs> we didn't know who any of the fly like the DJs were on the flyers, so it didn't like that didn't matter to us. Oh yeah, like you just wanted the experience, right? Yeah. Well, with the flyer, the first party we went to, there was a, a song called There Is No Law by Messiah. Uh-huh. And it, it, we really lo- dig that song. So we saw that Messiah was performing live that Oh, nice. And then the, what clinched it for us was on the back, it says Sound by The Shredder. Oh. And that just sounded impressive. Yeah, right. I don't know who The Shredder was, <laughs> but I want to hear a sound. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Yeah. There's so that was, Turtles. We, we go to um, the Map Point in Hollywood. Uh, yes, Map Points. Yes. I want them. Can we? Can we? Please, someone throw a party where there's more map points. Wait, I think we should bring them back. Yeah. Definitely. So we get to the map point. We buy our tickets, and um, we're immediately the, the the security guard at the map point. This guy named Big Steve, who I, uh, I'm still in touch with. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Huh. And um, he still does security for like Reza and some some of the bigger parties. And um, he's like. So we didn't have any directions, uh-huh. and he's like, "Oh, just go east. <laughs> just go east." It's like yeah. a sage <laughs> or a prophet telling go you. East. <laughs> what does that even mean? Yeah. What? And these are the days before cell phones yeah, and all that, right. you know, that, before GPS. No Google Maps. So yeah, no, we didn't know. So we end up going, finding a phone number to get other directions to a limo that was parked outside of the pantry. Wow. And we get to the limo, and we go and, and knock on the window, and they give us another set of directions. Oh, my God. And, and on oh, the directions, cool. it says, uh, this is a Madonna uh, video release party. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then we end up at the Casa, which is on uh, Oak in Washington. Yeah. And uh, that was legendary my, venue. Yeah. Left, yes. Which was so strange because when I got to the Casa, even though it was my first time being there, mm-hmm. I immediately felt I have been there several times. Really? Uh, and what it was, was there was a bar called the Oak that was right there. Oh, I see. And my grandfather used to frequent that bar. Whoa. Mm. And he used to take me, he used to pick me up from kindergarten. Yeah. Five years old. <laughs> take you to the bar. Take me to the bar. My mom would bust in like, well, you can't take your grandson. I, he's my grandson. I could do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, immediately, I knew all this whole neighborhood. Oh, even no. though it was like I was like you had no idea how yeah. you knew it, right? Yeah, wow, it was crazy. That's but amazing. That was my first rave experience. This might be the reason why you were attracted to the club scene in the first place, because you know, as your as an early child, you were comfortable in that environment already. Yeah, well, you know, I grew up near USC, yeah. and um, so 
I was fam- familiar with the streets in yeah. a certain way. The, that was definitely familiar to me. Yeah. Um, I think because I had a lot of music in my in my background for um, my grandparents. Uh, basically, every weekend was a party. Oh, nice. It was salsa music, yep. and you know everyone got together, and it was just always a thing. Lots so, of dancing, I'm sure. Oh yeah, you know <laughs> everyone you know would pick up an instrument and yeah yeah play along. So. I, I just I, I I knew music had to be a part of my life in some way. So after I went to my first rave and I saw what the you know even though I've been DJing for like five years and I never saw a DJ mm-hmm. perform like that. Oh yeah. I never saw what the DJ as the Messiah kind of yeah you know, yeah. And I immediately was like I need this in my life. Yeah. So. Um, uh, from the first rave was in February of '92, where I DJed or where I, I, I went. Yeah. Uh, my first rave gig was actually just a month later. Oh man! Yeah, a so, month later. Yeah. It's, uh, it's March of '92. Was it uh, through the same promoter, or did you meet so, somebody no, else? So um, I met, I met visually this guy on stage. Um, who was throwing out candy to the crowd and they called him the candy man <laughs> and he ended Good up rave being, name he's a great friend of mine now, now coco yeah and uh he was my first dj partner and what ended up happening what i did was i would it sounds so cheesy now that i think about it but <laughs> back in the day it was you know this is what you had to do in order to get gigs right. so um i would play a little bit of my mixtape on the voicemails for these parties <laughs> oh wow yeah. yeah i would just introduce my hey this is my name is theo uh-huh. and and you know, I, if you like to hear, you know, I would love to play at one of your events. Here's some some of what I do. Oh, and since I scratched, and not a lot of the DJs in the scene scratch, yeah, I would always focus on me scratching during. You know, yeah, that's cool. And you know, Candyman Coco, he gave me a call. And I remember it vividly. My mom, you know, Jake, the phone's for you. I pick up. Hey, you know, this is, you know, Candyman. Do you, do you want to play at my my show? I'm like, <laughs> I never thought it would work. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know, he offered me an opening spot at, at his show at the at the Casa called Under the Candy Ground. And wow. that was my first gig. That's amazing. Yeah, it was to yeah. me. It still is. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, oh, Sorry. go ahead. You where's, go ahead. where's the name Theo come from? Mm-hmm. So Theo was a nickname I got in high school. My real name is Jacob, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it was a nickname I got because I have chubby cheeks. So they used to call me Theodore from the Chipmunk. Oh, okay, okay, I see. So that's how that. And <laughs> the reason I spell it T H E E dash O was my last name is Ophelis. Yeah, begins with an O, so it was always just Theo. Yeah. So that's how that came about. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you you know you talked about playing some of your mixtapes uh, on the voicemails to, to get gigs. Uh, I kind of miss the mixtape era, honestly. Um, oh, me too. Like, going home with something in your hand that was physical, it Tangible, ba- yeah. yeah, it yeah. gave you like a connection to it. Uh, the question is now, how in this day do we kind of like have that, right? Yeah. Is it USBs? Do you give people USBs? No, or you know, you know, it, it's difficult. Hard or something? It's mm-hmm. it's it's difficult because yeah, it was you know the mixtape era was just this great time. You know, it was very unique. Very, very and, yeah. and there was a lot of discovery happening. Yes, at that yes, point. exactly. Right. You know, the thing about being a, a DJ at that time is that 
even though you DJed raves and you played dance music with mixtapes, you could do whatever you wanted. Yeah. And I created some, you know, one of my favorites is this track, this tape I made in 94 called Sunset on Venus. Mm -hmm. And it goes from down tempo to kind of a drum and bass sound to trance to all kinds of stuff. Yep. And you can't really get away with that stuff on a dance floor. But to be able to kind of look at DJing as a point of artistry, the mixtape was very vital. Yeah. You know, to me, you know, it really showcased what a DJ can do. Mm -hmm. Um, if you took it, the dance floor kind of away from the, the equation. Right. Um, I so think in that era, even, that was super appropriate, too, because you go to a party, there would be drum and bass, and then oh, after yeah. the drum and bass guy would be a house dude or trance or whatever. Definitely, definitely. Uh, that might not be... I mean, you could do that in a mixtape now. I think it would be even less... Like, it wouldn't be something that people would be, like, stoked on. Right. Everyone wants to hear their sound that they have in their head. Right. I I think for a lot of, uh, you know, especially the the guys in my era, um, you know, for me particularly... I was known for a certain sound, mm-hmm. you know, um, in the, you know, 90s and 2000s, it was like, you know, I was playing a lot of trans before a lot of people were playing trans. I played side trans yeah. before it became popular, That those types of things. Yeah. Um, and I, for me, I never wanted to be stuck on a genre. Mm-hmm. I thought that limited you. Yeah. Um, I always the, the the artists that I that I truly love and admire people like Prince and The Cure. Yeah. Um, if you listen through their entire catalog, they change and they morph. Yeah. And they there's you know they grow they grow yeah. and they're they're constantly changing. I mean, you could listen to like you know uh, Kiss Me Kiss Me Kiss Me by The Cure, mm-hmm. and every song is different. Right. Oh, that that album is such a mishmash right. of sound, but it's amazing. Yeah. You know, the same year that came out, Sign of the Times came out. Mm-hmm. And there was, I read this review of, of a reviewer saying they're almost the same because such a mixed mass of styles or double albums or, yeah. you know, that's to me being able to be that creative. Yeah. You don't see that anymore. Everything is so generic and so the same. And yeah. pe- people have to keep in with what other people are expecting out of them. Yeah, definitely. Or they follow the formula because it's been tested and it's tried and true. Yes, you know, yeah. you, it makes you know money. It's going to sell. Right. Yeah. So to me, I was never, uh, I always wanted to just play what I loved. Yes. And that to me is more important. That's why, you know, last week I played a drum and bass set. Yeah. I love drum and bass. Yeah. I was going to ask you some questions about that. But oh, yeah. Going. <laughs> um, and uh, to me, it's fun just to play outside of what you're known for. Right. And for me, I'm not used to playing drum and bass. So to me, it's a challenge. Yeah. And I want to play, cha- I want to challenge myself still. Yeah. Because to me, if you're not challenging yourself as an artist, then you're just, you're not growing. Yeah. That's true. You, you're kind of like limiting yourself. You want to like see all the colors, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, okay, let's get into that then. Because um, I guess the first time I really realized you played drum and bass was when you played for Jeremy at Timeless. Oh, in December. Yeah. This yeah. was like a recent discovery yeah. for me. Yeah. And I had no idea. And uh, how did you get into drum and bass? Because a lot of house people are like not about drum and bass. Oh, well, I don't consider myself a true house. I mean, okay. I love house house music you're a music person i'm just a music person yeah word right so um when i first started djing raves it was like you were either playing house or techno yeah that was it yeah there's two genres yeah house or techno pick one (laughs) so i was playing techno but then techno kind of splintered yeah and it became like 
straight beat techno, or kind of Rotterdam stuff, or Drake, uh, or breakbeat break stuff, like the reinforced stuff yep. and moving shadow stuff, mm-hmm, totally. which turned into drum and bass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was definitely playing a lot of the um, uh, breakbeat stuff. Ah, uh, cool. So because you were into the hip hop before, right? Exactly. Yeah, that, that's that freestyle. There you go. There, There's the evolution. Exactly. <laughs> so um, when. I started uh, going down that path. It would have been really easy for me to be like, because I was seeing what R.W. was doing. I could have easily gone down the, the drum and bass path. I st- yep. somehow stumbled upon the Platypus Records number one and went down the trance path. <laughs> but um, so I've always loved the breakbeats. I always loved the Amen break and you know yep. all that sound. So one of my favorite mixtapes back in the day was R.W.'s Dead. Which oh was yeah, incredible, just like dark drum and bass yes yeah it's so good yes um you know what art what raul does is just amazing to me and he's been consistent uh, oh, he's yeah. kind of like on your caliber basically yeah just we're always we're, putting stuff yeah, out he's yeah. he's he's incredible yes so um in 95 uh, my booking manager her name is ruth she was responsible for you know kind of um hooking up with Diesel Boy and bringing him to California for the first time. Yeah, cool. And so when we met Damien, um, she started buying a bunch of, of drum and bass records. Yeah. So one time, it was... Uh, oh. We got to a party, got busted. We ended up at my house, mm. and I said, "Here, give me your records." And I started playing. Nice. And we just recorded it, and it was. It, I released it as a mixtape in '95. That's dope. And so then, um, I've always had that love affair. So like last year, and because now it's a lot easier to collect. Yeah. Other styles of music because the music is is a lot cheaper and you have a space lot space for it. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, now, now it's just it's, you need a hard drive. It's hard drive, right? So, uh, it's a lot easier to buy fifty dollars worth of drum and bass and have enough for a couple of sets. Where back in the day that was five records, dude. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> too much. And you're probably only playing one side of those. Right. Records. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You're buying the, the single for right. one side and then that other side, the B side, is usually kind of like, well, you yeah. discover okay. the B sides at three in the morning in your house. Exactly. With all your right. Friends. And that's exactly. Do. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So me, to me, I was always like, I love this style, especially because like '97. I remember um, I was first dating my wife, and we were. I bought. We used to go to Higher Source a lot, mm-hmm. and I bought uh, LTJ Bookham's uh, first progression sessions. Yeah, CD. amazing album. Oh, I still listen to that. Yep. I, all the time. Did it have Conrad on it? Yes. That one? Yeah. Yes, yes. I actually got that when I was in Paris. Oh, really? I found that. So there. classic. Yeah. Dude, that probably puts you, every time you listen, you probably puts you right back oh, in definitely. Paris, right? Definitely. <laughs> Wherever you were. Wherever you were. Yeah. yeah. Um, that um, album it was like, it was just constant for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I kept following LTJ and, you know, yeah. I always loved his style because it was kind of like, ambient and jazz and, yeah. and, and drum and bass and it still had energy to me yeah um, you know I, I appreciate jump up stuff and I appreciate DJ Hype and you know that kind of stuff yeah. And it, but that's party music and I get that you know and that's like time you know, and time place yes, yeah exactly mm-hmm. but I've always loved that kind of chill vibe because I've always loved down tempo music too oh yeah so to me this is kind of like down tempo for the rave yeah so that's great <laughs> yeah. yeah perfect so when I when given the opportunity to you know play uh, drum and bass um it was kind of a novelty in the east coast they had these parties called uh 
backwards parties or something like that uh-huh. where they would invite like Scott Henry who's mm-hmm. a house DJ mm-hmm. yeah. and da- Damien Dizavoy to, to all play different styles that's cool uh, I've heard of I've heard yeah. of that yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. Scott Henry would play like drum and bass and yeah. you know, Dizavoy would play like house music and yeah, stuff yeah. like that so to me I love that I mean, where you're kind of changing things up from what you people yeah. expect from you yeah so that was to me that always wanted to is I love this style of music it's not what I'm known for but I still want to support it and love it and play it and yeah. you know if I get the opportunity to play it here and there great why not why not yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's still to me it's fun yeah. yeah that's that's good I think a lot of people forget to have more fun with yeah. what, what they're doing especially like DJs they get into like I don't know just who they are and like you know they have to be they mold themselves into one well to me if you do that you're at your own peril right because I've seen a lot of artists who tie on to a certain niche and say this is all I'm about I'm gonna um, does anybody remember Cybertrans hmm Crickets. You know, Mars and Mystery were all about that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. There you go. So, you know, I mean, I love Mars and I love it. And Mystery. They're great guys, but they, they, they align themselves too closely to, to, one, thing. to one thing, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. You know, and there was, it, it went, it, you live and die by the popularity of that genre. That's true. Yeah. I think a lot of um, that I saw that a bit with dubstep too. A lot of uh, drum and bass people, yeah, they started making dubstep because they were feeling it. They, they the people that didn't um, give in to their like their sense of ego and who they were, the genre they were tied to. Right. Those people are still out playing great music. Oh yeah, and they switch all all around. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, that's that's a good thing to remember. I think yeah. as an artist, it's just just you know music is there's so much of it yeah and that's and there's so much good stuff in everything in right. every genre yeah uh, you know don't don't limit yourself you know because limiting yourself uh, that's just it's as an artist is never a good thing right yeah. it's think, like oh go ahead it's a, when you go out and you're buying new music right and yeah. you find this new artist this track and you're like what is this genre is this right is this progressive house is this techno is this what yeah. you can't really define it but you're like it's it sounds new to you for yeah. some reason but yeah there's something about that where it's pretty exciting yeah and i always uh thought it was interesting that genre to me really all it is is tempo yeah and maybe instrument style maybe but like with electronic music, it's really kind of just tempo. Yeah, tempo does way the determine beats. a lot. And that's really like that's a small thing to let get in your way of enjoying things, right? Yeah, definitely. So interesting. You're listening to Theo on Chromacast. So we talked about your background, where you came from. Uh, one of the things I really admire about you, um, Jacob, is your consistency. I, what are your secrets for keeping consistent and always being? Like you're you're always in the place to be. You're always in the place to play. How do you do that? I have no. You're in and you're out. <laughs> it's just um, your love and you're passionate about it, and you kind of go out there and do it, right? You know, it's just it's after a certain amount of time doing something, you just it's like yeah. I don't know anything else to do. <laughs> That's what scares me. That's yeah. what really scares me is that I know, you know, doing. I've been in the scene for 25 years now. I know that, uh, there's probably not another 25. Yeah. So 
what do I do after this? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. That's that's the the part that scares me. Yeah, you know, and that's why I've, I've kind of kind of focused a lot more on the studio and the and gear and yeah, because I still want to create and I still want to be, but I know there's going to be a point in time where. You know, my body won't allow me to be out till it's already not allowing me. Yeah, right. You're um, feeling you know, <laughs> so when I DJ out like at six in the morning in the desert, you know, what I do is I I sleep till three. Yeah, yeah. And then I wake up and it's kind of like going to work. You know, yeah. uh, put your get your suitcase. Yeah, and put put, put up a cup of coffee and you know get going. Get, you know, so that's just right. Head east. Yeah, just head east. <laughs> so let's let's talk about your production. Yes, because there's a lot of great stuff, and I re- I really like that you are you know b- behind what we just talked about. You your stuff is like multi genre, all kinds of things. Right. So uh, you you did the. Um, I guess in 2013 you did the album with uh, was was it Aaron Powers? That's correct. Yeah. yeah, and I, I mean, how did that come about? Did you do a track with her and then you guys linked up? Um, how, tell oh, us about Aaron, that. Okay, my wife worked at Sony Pictures for a while. Okay, she worked there for ten years. Yeah, and uh, Aaron was a also worked at Sony Pictures. Oh, I see. And she, my wife, kind of introduced us. And Aaron has a beautiful voice. Yes, and she is pitch Absolutely. perfect. And one thing about that's great with working with her is I never have to correct her vocals. You have to tune it. Yeah, just her vocals are spot on. The first song on that album, I'm totally getting like Sade vibes from like. Like she yeah. sounds like the yeah. harmonies and everything. Yeah. So yeah, sorry. She, she's great, and um, so she, um, we, you know, we got together to do one track called "Rain," and um, we came out on System. And then we kept, you know, working together here and there. We did a little live performance at a party one time, and mm-hmm. everything. You know, it, she's just a great person to work with, and I've always enjoyed working with her in fact I just contacted her a couple of weeks ago so right now she's going to give birth in October oh. in August or October or something like that she's she's sure. she's due pretty soon nice. so after she gives birth we'll probably go back into the studio uh, and work nice. on some stuff that would be awesome yeah. are you thinking another album with her or? you know eventually but what I would like to do is actually do some proper deep house with her vocals oh yeah that'd be amazing yeah because she has that, that that voice for that yeah, absolutely uh, let's see how long did it take for that album to be made was it it was relatively short um we did it mostly in the summer of 2012 okay um you know working with her you know basically i would just come up with these concepts of tracks and say here do you like this Mm -hmm. you know can you and she would just write over it and and uh, you know a week later she'd come in and lay down a vocal and it'd be pretty much perfect from there from yeah so yeah it was really easy and that's why I've kind of hesitated working with other vocalists because I know I have it so good with her. Yes. That I know I can't get that with someone else. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 a really just a, amazing to watch her just do her thing. Yeah. And she's been working with some other house artists as well, and you know, and it's been great to see her kind of. You know, she's doing this um, kind of '80s house thing with this group called the Flamingos. Yeah. Okay. Which is really cool. She just did a, a video for a, a remake of "Send Me an Angel." Yeah. Wow. Her vocals on it. That's pretty. That's amazing. really yeah. cool. <laughs> pretty cool. Um, uh, how did you get into production? Did that start? Did you start trying to make stuff when you started DJing, or no? You know, um, production came late for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I started um, 
playing around with other people. There was a group called Medicine Show back in the day mm-hmm. that I went to their house probably like in late 90s and you know, kind of watched them do you know, some stuff. But it was all so foreign to me. It's like, oh, it's, yep. it was very daunting. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what ended up happening, I was working at Earthlink. I was doing tech support. Mm-hmm. And... So during the day, I would do work at Earthlink. That night, I'd be DJing. And it got to a point where I was just making enough money DJing where I didn't need to actually work the day job anymore. Nice. So I quit Earthlink and just focused on DJing. Mm-hmm. But I got super depressed. Oh, really? Yes. Because you didn't have a normal routine? I didn't. I, I, was, I would wake up. I'm like, I have nothing to do. Wow. And I was like... Honestly, I was like, what do I got to do? Do I got to find God? Do I have to? You know, I was, I was, it was really this kind of, a, I was like 20, 24 and this existential crisis. Wow. Like, what does this all mean? <laughs> and looking back at it now, I was like, oh, you're such an idiot kid. <laughs> Just give yourself a regimen. Right. So what I ended up doing is I, I had to go and buy a, um, a new stand for my DJ equipment. Mm-hmm. I went to Guitar Center. I'm like, oh, well, let me see what they have. And so I met this guy who was working there, and, and he showed me some stuff. And he's like, well, you can just put some money down, and we can just put it on layaway for you. I'm like, oh, oh, okay, there cool. There we go. So then I bought my first synth. It was my Roland JP-8000. Oh, yeah, classic. Yeah. And yeah. so I brought it home, and a couple of weeks later, after I paid it off, and... Um, I was like, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I can, I can, I can make these noises, but you know. So I had a friend. His name was Chris Arnold, and um, he had a bunch of gear. He had a Jupiter, and yeah. some, and uh, he had a, a old version of Logic. Okay. Yeah, so back when it was before back Apple, when it was it. super complicated yeah. and environments and things like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was so when it was the eMagic days. <laughs> um, yeah, eMagic. <laughs> so we we combined our studio together and at the same time my DJ um, booking manager her name was Stephanie Luciano mm. uh, she was running Till Dawn okay yeah yep. she uh, was working out of her garage out in um, Silver Lake okay and I said well you really should get an office and I could really use studio space yeah. so why don't we team up nice. and get something going so we found a space in Hollywood on Sunset okay Sweetser and um, it had four rooms I was in one of the rooms Um, she had two of the rooms and Juan Atkins had the other room dang yeah that's a good person to have right next to you (laughs) yeah definitely which I could tell you a funny story about that you know one day I was I was kind of just he was never in there but one day he was there and I was jamming out in in studio and I was like he comes in and he's like, oh, I like what I'm hearing. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's cool. So this, I got Juan Atkins in here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, he's going to show me what the what's up, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he didn't know. what. He's he so used to, you know, drum machines yeah, and, yeah, and that yeah. stuff to, to work on a DAW. Ah, he gotcha. Didn't, he, he didn't know. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was a little... It was, it was like... It, was a, it, it let me down quite a bit. Wah, 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 <laughs> yeah, totally. I was like, oh, no. Atkins here. He doesn't know what to do. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the only story I'll ever hear of Juan Atkins not knowing what to do. No, yeah. I mean, I mean maybe... I, I mean, I'm going to assume it's because it was a dog. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Very interesting. <laughs> 
So you got in, uh, you started making stuff. Um, about how long was that, it until you got? So that was uh, 2000, so about okay. 17 years ago. We had the studio, yeah. And um, we, we, I just started buying gear, buying gear, buying yeah. gear. So I bought a Nordly two, and then I bought a Triton, and and I used my Triton as a controller, and then yep. um, bought a bunch of you know sound modules, and then I bought a sampler, I bought a Emu 5000. Oh yeah, and um, and then I, I was at, lucky enough to go to a guitar center, and I saw a Juno 60. Oh, oh, and nice! I said, and it looked brand new, what? brand spanking new. I said, it was a, it was a used one though. It was a used Juno 60. Wow! It was sitting in a garage, in a, in a, a church basement. <laughs> For, for 20 years That's Oh amazing. my god yeah. <laughs> No no MIDI Old All, You know Just So uh, I asked him How much are you guys Selling that for mm-hmm. Oh 350 <sighs> Are you kidding me Wow I'll take three <laughs> Yeah <laughs> That's a good That's a good So yeah I still have that In, what a in my setup what And a um, Yeah I just started Buying gear And collecting And um, We Our first You know First tracks You know Luckily I learned With MIDI Yeah because what MIDI teaches you is how to finish a track. Yeah, that's true. You know, when you can't save your patches, when you can't, you know, yeah. there's just like, you got to finish. Yep, Otherwise, yep. you can't start anything new. Yeah, that's right. So, luck, so that part of the work ethic has kept with me today so that no matter what, I'm... I'm I mean, when people work with me, they're they're very surprised that I just I finish things quickly. Yes. Um, I don't hold on. To, I'm not very meticulous. Okay. Because I know it, it depends on what I'm working on. If I'm doing ambient and chill out stuff, yeah. I tend to be a little bit more meticulous. If I'm doing dance floor stuff, yeah. it's like I'm not going to, you know, really focus on the reverb tail that no one's going to hear, <laughs> notice. Yes. Right. That makes sense. So, yeah, it, it, you have to. It, it makes what what you're going to do on the dance floor. Or is it going to translate? Is it actually, you know, is it important for this song? Yeah. And I, I tend to look at, you know, especially dance floor stuff, as as just flyers, right? Throwaway, because yeah. the the truth of it is, you know, you're on the charts, you're you're featured track for maybe two or three weeks. You have a, probably a six week run people forget. before people forget what you know that you did anything. So yeah, that's right. It's very, you know, dance music is very, uh, it's horrible that way because it's very transient. Yeah, it? yeah. It's soon as you're as soon as it's out, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That's, it's that's why it's really important that you do finish things f- quickly. Right. Do you give yourself a timeline when you're when you're in the studio? No, not particularly. I mean, I try to finish. If I'm start something uh, during, I mean, sometimes I'll start and I'll finish something in a night. But yeah. But usually within a week, I'll try to finish something up. You know, just that's good. Yeah. Just keep it going. Just be done with it and move yeah. on. Move on. And I don't tend to revisit those tracks. Mm-hmm. You know, they're great and I, I appreciate them for what they are. Yeah. But it's not like something I hold on to. Cool. Like my reef project stuff and like yep. the thing I did with Aaron, yeah. I tend to be more like hold on to those a little bit more. Right. But the stuff, the the dance stuff, I just I know what it is because I'm a DJ, so right. it's not something that's going to yeah. last. It'll be it for the year, and that and then it's done. Yeah. You are listening to ChromaCast. Find us on the web at thisischromacast.com. So the yeah, let's talk about the Reef project. Um, we were listening to some of that before. It's kind of like down tempo, 
sort of yeah. feel. Yeah. Uh, how did that come about? And um, I don't know, just tell us a little bit about that. Well, I've always had a fascination with uh, uh, aquariums, yes. especially saltwater aquariums and, and, and the like. Yeah. Um, I had a nice tank in my when I lived in Pasadena at my apartment, mm-hmm. and that kind of uh, served as a catalyst for me wanting to create some ambient music. Ah, nice. And um, so I've just, I love ambient. I've always have, um, I started DJing ambient music when I was, uh, when I got into the rave scene. Yeah. Um, so I was all into the chill out stuff and the chill rooms and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, listening to Brian Eno and ambient oh, yeah. series. And is it the textures of, of the sounds? What draws you to ambient? Um, it is the closest you can get to meditation by just listening to music that's amazing that's a really good description no one's ever put that on me i am i am not like a a big fan of it Mm -hmm. not that like i i just haven't listened to it right so that makes me really interested now if if you listen like uh brian Eno just came out the new album called um reflection yeah okay and it's an hour long yeah and if you buy the app it actually came out with an, an app yeah that actually is forever long how and it just mutates as it goes along wow um but it's it's honestly if you just close your eyes and listen to it and it's it's zen that's amazing basically anything brian you know yeah yeah gets you into it wow so to me that's kind of what you know i just like the i guess maybe it's because it's the polar opposite of the rave yeah and that intrigues me as well yeah is the fact that Okay, this is music where you're supposed to do nothing to. <laughs> <laughs> well, back in the day, the raves used to have the chill-out rooms. Yeah. Where yeah. They, you know, ambient was a real thing. And yeah. 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 And when, you know, it was for, the, you know, when you're when you're coming down from your pills. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you yeah. dance anymore, yeah. you know. You need bag. Right. Yeah. Yep. You sink into the beanbag. Yeah. So do, do you, uh, I mean, you're collaborating with anybody on that? So, or? yeah. So, basically, I met, a, so I work, right now, I work for Molina Healthcare. And, okay. And, you know, and both of you work in IT. Yeah, and you know that in IT, everyone is pretty much a frustrated artist. <laughs> There's a lot of them. It's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of them. I yeah. mean, you could always start a band in IT. That's just that's the way it goes. <laughs> we we have a we have a drum set at our office. So right. there you go. <laughs> I, I, are you guys familiar with the band Hot Chip? Yes. Yeah, they so, look yeah. like an IT department. They totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hot Chip's great. Yeah, Hot Chip's great. Yeah. But yeah, I look at them and I'm like, every time I've seen them live, I'm like, wow, my that coworkers. Looks, this looks like an IT department. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I met this guy, older guy, who's um, he's probably in his fifties. Uh, his name is Michael Fisher, mm-hmm. and uh, he was constructing tracks out of his iPad at work. What? Yeah, that's I'm cool. like, oh, that's cool, right? And so he's like, you want to collaborate some stuff? I'm like, sure, let's let's make this happen. That's cool. So he'll create these tracks. He finally got Logic, so he's able to import the stuff from GarageBand on the iPad to Logic, That's cool. and then he'll send me the, the Logic files. Yeah. And uh, we've done, and he's a really nice guitarist as well, so we just did uh, finished up, we did an EP that came out on System about a year and a half ago, and we just finished up like five or six tracks now. Nice. Uh, we just finished up a 20 minute song wow. that is basically synths and textures and guitar. That's amazing. And it sounds so, I was like, I was very proud of this thing. So okay. we're working on finishing up our album right now and just kind of, you know, either hopefully re- uh, releasing it through System or through Look or s- somewhere. That's awesome. Was that something you guys did in one take? Yeah. Obviously, you, you've had to probably like practice certain sections of that. No, I mean, no, it was very, it was very just, you know, we'll see what happens. Wow. And, you know, what I'll do is 
play play straight through the entire 20 minutes of the synth stuff mm-hmm. and then we'll go in and edit right yeah that's cool uh, what, what was that like creating a 20 minute track like it's that? very interesting because if the problem with creating ambient music is I get tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The so music is doing its job. Yeah. So, uh, I'll be in like a session trying to. Cre- oh, this is so pretty, and then I'm. Like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. How did you? How did you know like when to end a 20 minute track? Like how? Yeah, you yeah that's a great it question. Could, it, it could go on forever. Yeah. It, actually, it's may, may be still going on right now. <laughs> you walk into the room, you're like, hey, this, wow, they're playing it's themselves. Going. Yeah. That's great. So, so I'm really interested in you know um, generative synthesis yeah um, I'm not super familiar with it mm-hmm. um, but it does intrigue me mm-hmm. so uh, being able to kind of just set things and have it How'd do it go? its thing yeah uh, so recently I purchased uh, I got my wife bought me a Mother 32 Moog okay yeah yeah for Christmas wow which is great but I don't I'm very uh, new to modular synthesis yeah that's something I have no idea yeah <laughs> But the nice thing about the mother is it kind of gets you into it's kind of like a baby step into yeah. modular because it Those is. Those are the smaller ones. Right. Oh yeah, I see them now. They're semi-modular. You right. can, don't have to patch anything in. They're their own thing, but right? You yeah. can use the patch cables and, and tie cool. it. In. So the recently, Bo came out with the the uh, subsequent 37 yeah. CV, which has CV outs. Nice. So you can connect control it voltage, to, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you can connect it to modular synths. That's cool. So I'm trying to learn. Yeah. That that kind of stuff right now. That's pretty cool, and that's something you could use to like play live or something like that. You know, right? well, uh, that's another interesting thing because now, what I've been really interested in doing is this kind of live hybrid stuff. Mm, yeah. So, um, I have really good friends that work at Pioneer, and they've been able to, you know, um, suggest things and gave me a very good hookup. Thank you, Richard, if you're listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I got a the Torize SP16, yep. which was their sampler. I kept that last year. Then earlier, a couple of months ago, I got the AS1, which nice. is their their Dave Smith yeah. One Voice analog. Yeah. So being able to plug everything in through you know ProLink, yeah, uh, through the back of you know just a network hub and the ProLink is what kind of what keeps everything like, in sync. In sync, yes. the clock basically. Okay. Yeah, and then um, tying that to MIDI. Um, through the SP16 to the AS1, nice. so that keeps everything in sync. Yeah, and uh, you know, so I have the, the two XDJs going. Yeah, and then the two uh, the 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 sampler and the the synth going all on a four channel Pioneer mixer. Wow, and then being able to blend them in and you know, yeah. the the Pioneer mixer accepts uh, the clock signal. Or? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. So you can tie in the effects to on um, the internal mixer yeah. to the clock as well. Wow. Yeah. That's really neat. I didn't it, know it that. Is, it is really cool once you get things running. Yeah. And so, you know, um, a lot of people are more interested in doing this live techno stuff. My old partner, Rob Pointer, who we used to do Stylus under, he's uh, doing, you know, a lot of wanting to do live techno stuff, which is great. Mm-hmm. I want to do it, but I want to do it as simply as possible because... Right. Um, one thing I do not like about live sets is 
tearing down and, and setting up. Yeah, you oh, see some of these setups oh nowadays, and you're just like, uh, two-hour yeah. teardown. No. Yeah. Longer than your set. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have no interest in being at the club before it opens. Yeah, yeah. No interest in that at you all. You want to keep your five minutes before ready. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now it would have to be 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> got to plug in two sets of RCA. <laughs> Might be worth it. Yeah. No. So cool. uh, <laughs> That's awesome. So basically now I got this, um, I, could, I could, I haven't done it yet. I've done it um, at a friend's house, but I have yet to do it at a gig. Yeah. So, but I'm planning to do it soon where I'm going to bring the SP-16 uh. and build, bring the S1 and really do kind of a live DJ slash hybrid. That's kind of sweet. Stuff. That's sweet. Yeah, and that's again. You should be challenging yourself. You should be trying to push certain things. Yeah. If you're doing the same thing you've always done for the past 25 years, then there's something's wrong. Yeah. You kind of lose your passion, right? Well, yeah. You know, for yeah. me, this every time I I brought in someone over to my studio to take a look at what I'm doing with the the pioneer stuff, everyone is like, "Wow, mm-hmm. that's." totally something different yes Yes. that's the point that's the whole point right (laughs) so yeah to me it's it's great to be able to do something new with this i love that uh okay so we talked about um your your sort of like ambient stuff uh You'd also been working with Bernard Thomas. Yes. And going to go actually have dim sum with him. Oh, nice. Actually, yeah. How are we doing on time? Are we good? Uh, got another 10. 10? Okay, great. Uh, let's. I, we were listening to some of the Bernard Thomas stuff. Yeah. It's uh, kind of like tech house meets like deep house type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How did you start working with Bernard? And Bernard, actually, it's funny that? because Bernard lives close to me. Oh, so, really? Cool. Uh, he's. I live in San Gabriel and he lives in Rosemead. So it's, it makes it convenient. It's like, I'll come over after work and we'll just work on the studio yeah so that's cool you know he's starting to get his own setup again mm-hmm. and uh you know now i'm i'm kind of showing him what logic does ah uh, cool like that so that's awesome and he's a great guy um it's he's a you know really nice to hang around with we have very f- similar food and beer tastes yep which is always a that helps oh that's, <laughs> yes. beer's a great connection it food's is. a great connection yep. yeah and, and if you get along food and beer wise you're gonna be okay and music yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and really that's the story of it all as long as we all enjoy food and beer together, yeah, it's really what it's all about. It's really what it's all about. <laughs> Speaking of Bernard Thomas, uh, yeah. we have we had him uh, do an ep- a episode of Chromacast. Oh, that's right. Back when back when we first started five years ago. Yeah. So check that out. It's nice. on our on our Mixcloud feed. Yeah, nice. yeah that's right. Yeah, we're actually uh, playing today at the Havana House in Alhambra. Oh, hey, yeah. dang! I wish this podcast was out today so people could know about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put something up on our. Uh, on our socials about that yeah. uh, he's playing at two I'm playing at six cool that's gonna be fun um, alright uh, I think we kind of touched on a lot of things I got I think this should be a question that we ask everybody that we have on the show uh, what type of party do you really enjoy to play like a large festival deserts clubs what you know I've, you I've been luckily I've been able in my career to be able to do lots of different types of events mm-hmm. I've been able to do the one room one vibe you know warehouse thing yeah the, the sunset or sunrise the desert thing yeah to full-on you know 20,000 people thing yeah um, and there's great in all of that mm-hmm. in all of that but you know, for me personally, the best vibe is a small, you know, 
200 people dancing, but everyone's dancing. No yeah. one's mingling. No one's, yeah. 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 You get that, like, sometimes at the park, you'll get that where everyone's just vibing. And yeah. that's to me the most important thing. It doesn't matter. It's hard to get a vibe at a, a massive. Massive. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, <laughs> um, but, you know, the energy is totally different yep. at a massive than it is anywhere else. Yeah. Um, so it all depends on, on what you're looking for. For me, uh, last year I was fortunate enough to play EDC again after yep. not playing for EDC for probably like eight years or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And it was interesting to do it the way, you know, because before I was on a stage, now I was on an art car. Oh, that you played on the art car. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. Was that on the, the boombox car that you played No, I on? played on the uh, Wide Awake car. Oh, Wide Awake car. Huh. Nice. And uh, it was a lot of fun. You get to travel around the grounds, yeah. right? And see yeah. everybody. Yeah, so I'm DJing and all of a sudden the, the car starts moving and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm tables aren't around. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but uh, that to me was a unique experience because the the party moved along and everyone yeah. was part of it and it was just a so weird cool. vibe was, some people would drop off new people would yeah, join yeah. it was, it was great That's it really was cool. awesome um, and uh, definitely something I would like to do again but you know I, the, the best party to me is where just everyone is on that same wavelength yeah right? everyone is is feeling that vibe and and, yep. and you can't beat that. No. I think that's something just as DJs we all chase. Oh, definitely. It's that dragon get we it all once. chase. You get it once, you're like, this is why I do this. Yeah. Oh, it's, I want it's, this every it's time. Totally that the, the, the high you're yeah. going it's, after. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's very much so. high. Yeah. 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 You know, as DJs, you know, all of us are, uh, you know, we do have this addictive personality. Luckily, we've channeled it into something positive. Yeah. Yes. Some, some, some DJs some out there don't. haven't. <laughs> no, no names. names. <laughs> the drugs are bad, okay? <laughs> and life advice, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, I think for us, it, the, the, the high is that, that, you know, that crowd, that interaction, that, that symbiotic, you know, where I'm feeding and you're, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you're, you're vibing off of, you know, we're, we're both. I was at Relove and there was this, uh, this, I was DJing and this black girl was like really into it. And I, I remember, saw her. Yeah, I yeah. saw her. Yeah, she was. She was just super into it. Yeah, she was. And after I was done with my set, she came up to me and I was talking to her and she was like, "Oh, so thank you so much." I said, "No, no, no, mm-hmm. no. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, for sure. Because it's a two-way you, street. You, yeah. you fed me the energy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. Exactly. It, it, I kind of feel like moments like that. We all kind of go back to where we were before we came on this earth, mm-hmm. right? We are part of the like celestial soup, all part of one energy. Yeah. And that's like the closest you can be as a person to being in that state. I oh think. yeah. I th- you know, and I think that's why, you know, people gravitate towards festivals and yeah. concerts is because you f- you get that moment, right? You know, I was at the, uh, you know, Anytime I go, I, me and the wife, we do a lot of concerts. We go to a lot of shows. Yeah. Um, we just, one of the recent ones, we just saw you two, mm-hmm. you know, do with Joshua Tree. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, you, you're able to connect to, you know, 25,000 people yeah. on, on one song, totally. on one lyric. And everyone's one got moment. the same emotion, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're all going back to when you were in high school. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's that's incredible. Yeah. Music has that, that, that quality that so few things have. Yes. To take you back instantly to some place where, and whether it's good memories, bad memories, just to take you back. Yeah. It's a, it's a time machine. In oh, itself. yeah. It's kind of like the power of smell as well, right? Yeah, oh, anytime I, I smell fog juice, 
It takes me back to my first grade. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of Not Scary Farm. Oh, yeah, that yeah, smell. yeah. Totally, Walking totally. around Not Scary yeah. Farm when I was younger, and just that smell just, yeah. just stuck in my nose. And then yeah. a zombie comes. Yeah, right. <laughs> Rattler. Yeah, those guys are just cool. sliding, sliding the floor across <laughs> their knees. So good. So I, I kind of um, need to wrap up the interview. I, I, could, I feel like I could sit here and talk to you I'm, about. I was going to suggest that after things. this interview, we should just hang out. I'm d- <laughs> down for that. Yeah. yeah, because you guys are cool. No, you're cool. Thanks, man. I'm cool. Appreciate that. Appreciate Let's it. hang out. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> we we like beer. Yeah, like we beer. like food. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh wow. <laughs> what? I think we should meet. Insta yeah. friends. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, can you give us uh, some of your shows that are coming up? Where can people see sure. you? Projects. Um, easiest way to find out what I'm doing is go to djtheo.com. Um, I can pretty much keep that up to date with my events. I'm very I lag on my blog, but I, I gotta you know work on that. Um, but my events page is pretty up to date. So um, this like uh, next coming up, up events, I'm playing a play, party called Perception in early September. I'm playing um, a lot for the Stand Guys, which is still dancing. Uh, was it still dancing together? Still together all night dancing. Oh, nice! Yeah. I like that. So and those are the, the you know Insomniac OG guys. Yes. Um, we, uh, where else am I playing? I don't know. Just go to djtheo.com. Yeah, it's there, all on there. There's Reloves coming up. There's a, a ba- I'm playing a drum and bass set with Oscar again. Oh, sick. Um, with Oscar? Yes, August 20th um, at no, the Timeless uh, uh, Booty Barbecue. Oh, yeah. Those are super fun. Yes. So are- we're looking forward to that. Oh man, that's amazing. Well, thank you very much. Uh, such a pleasure and an honor to oh, have you here, Jacob. The pleasure is mine. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, I'm glad we could finally get this yeah, going. Me too. This is awesome. Yeah, great times. Definitely check out Theo's uh, episode 18, 18 podcast. Episode 18. Uh, and we will definitely have you again. Ah, maybe we'll do show. a drum and bass set or something. Yes, yeah. we need well, that. That's the great thing about what we do here is we just, it's, there's really no rules. It's all about you. We, we, that's awesome. We like yeah. to book DJs and producers as artists and right. we say, hey, do whatever you want. Yep, yeah. do cool. whatever you want. I'm down. Yeah, the only caveat we have is that it's interesting music. That's yeah. it. There yeah. you go. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Have a good one. This is Chromacast. Thank you for listening. Head to thisischromacast.com for more of these sounds.